If the digital revolution has well and truly arrived as we're told, why are some organizations still living in the past? This week on the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast, we're joined by Professor Alan Brown, who recently held a mini masterclass as part of IMI's corporate membership offering to dive deeper on the dilemmas of digital. Alan is a university professor, researcher, coach, and trusted advisor to startups and established organizations across the public and private sector. His work is focused on leading agile approaches to business transformation. Uh, So I'm delighted today to be joined on the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast by Professor Alan Brown, who recently held a mini masterclass with us on the always fascinating topic of digital transformation and the many threads that come from that. So uh, Professor Brown, great to talk to you today. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Great to have you. Um, so I suppose just to kick off, there's there's so many things to get into, but um, as you mentioned in your many masterclass with us, uh, the digital revolution has, has well and truly arrived, but there are definitely some organizations that are trying to retain their kind of legacy business, as you referred to it, while simultaneously trying to look into the future. So it's kind of that ambidextrous um, approach. What do you think the ideal balance is here and um, how can leaders kind of tip the balance to look at a future that we really need to be looking at? I think it's a really good question and a good place to start. Um, there's sort of a, a, there's almost like a joke emerging right now that, you know, if you close your eyes and you say digital transformation three times, when you open them, in front of you will be half a dozen consultants. They will have appeared as if by magic, all telling you that you need to throw everything away and change and you've got to invest large amounts of money. And, and I think the reality is that we're going through a shift that's going to require a very detailed plan for how you retain the best of what you do while moving towards a future which is quite uncertain, but everybody expects to be quite disrupted and quite different from what we see today. So so I, I talk about this as a revolution. And the revolution is that our thinking has to shift substantially from a world which we might call a 20th century view to a 21st century view. And it's not everything gets thrown away. So there's a large amount of what you've been doing to make you successful that you're going to have to keep doing because you've got existing customers in place, you've got existing products, you're working with a workforce that's been skilled and experienced and built up its reputation over a large amount of time. So so you you don't simply get rid of all of that unless you're in a very uh, disrupted marketplace where there's no future in that and your shift has to be as quick and probably quite painful uh, as, as you can make this shift. Because um, I think it, in, in many situations, we're going to find a, a, a gradual movement. And, uh, it, you know, it's the old, the old comment about, um, you know, h- h- how, did, how did you end up getting, uh, get, getting to be uh, bankrupt? And it said, well, it started slowly and then moved quickly. I think we're going to see that in most organizations. It's going to be slowly and then quickly. So for most organizations, starting off with early experiments, uh, additional business models, new business outcomes, uh, training in some new technologies, and using that to drive a beachhead is going to be the role that will be necessary in many organizations today. So in education, for example, in universities, they suddenly aren't going to drop delivering courses uh, on the campus face-to-face for master's level uh, delivery. It's not going to suddenly just disappear for most organizations that are in the education business, but they are going to be introducing more online 
activities. They are going to be wanting to interact through uh, online channels like Slack and others in order to have interactive activities. They are going to be using more online materials. But I think over the next two or three years, there might be an acceleration. So they need to be preparing themselves for how the market shifts and what their position will be. So unless you're a new entrant in the market, unless you're after a very specific market segment, you're going to need to prepare yourself by building those skills and getting ready to sense that market shift and be ready to move as it accelerates. And I think that's going to be the challenge for most organizations right now. Yeah, and that's interesting that you mentioned skills, because in order to drive the types of changes that we're looking at, whether that's gradual, as you say, or if it's accelerated, the types of leaders at the top of organizations, and even maybe from the bottom as well, um, because leaders come at all levels, of course, um, those types of skills and traits that need to be developed um, to make sure that the changes actually go ahead and that it's an effective change. Um, so you, you touched on that in your mini masterclass as well. Um, what do you see as those kind of key skills being and why are the skills sometimes paradoxical by their very nature? Yes, I think that idea of leadership in a digital world has been turned a little bit on its head. And that's why I think some of these paradoxes arise. So, so the, the idea that I'm a leader, I tell you what to do is shifting a little bit to I'm a leader, I enable you so that you can do what you believe is necessary because you're closest to the client or closest to the product. You're closest to the challenge they face. You're closest to the group and the team that are delivering a product or service. And that shift to what sometimes people call servant leadership, enabling and supporting others to be successful, is one of those paradoxes. I lead because I enable you, not I lead because I tell you what to do, is a difficult movement. Uh, the second area, I think, for many leaders is the idea that I became a leader because of my experience of over the last 10, 15 years, I'd done this job, I started in the trenches, I worked my way up. I know how we did this 15, 10 years, five years ago. That idea that that expertise could be more of an anchor than it can be a bridge to build your future is really a challenge for most people. You know, because you knew how to do this job 10 years ago, doesn't mean you'll be able to tell the people who are doing this job today the best way to do it. That's another really key paradox. Are you more experienced people, your leaders, therefore what's holding them back and what's what's opening up the opportunity? Those kinds of things are the the, the challenges that leaders face, keeping themselves relevant, keeping themselves in in a position where they're in a decision-making responsible role but recognizing that they may not be the ones with perhaps with the most knowledge of the current ways of working, the current uh, context in which you're solving problems, the current digital changes going on. That's a real challenge right now. And I think many leaders are feeling that and the stress of that. Yeah, and it's a fascinating balancing act to watch as well, because you have this kind of, I suppose, different forces within organizations and people of different seniorities and experience levels. And as you say, yesterday's lessons don't necessarily apply to the current context. So it's that constant learning, which of course we know is so important. And indeed something else that's very important is innovation. And in your excellent uh, dispatches series on your website, you've spoken and written about innovation theater and innovation tourism, which I think are fantastic uh, ways to sum them this up in large established organizations. Would you be able to kind of go into a little bit of detail on what they mean? And what are some lessons to glean from those in terms of how we shouldn't look at innovation moving forward. Yes, yeah, so I've, been, I've been writing a lot recently, uh, sort of a little bit like a lockdown experiment. I wanted to keep a sort of heartbeat of 
communication about things that I'm working on, things that I'm going through, things that I'm seeing. And one of those was about, as I talk to organizations about what they're doing in innovation, and a, a lot of it, as I say, is a kind of theater or tourism where they, they want to sort of showcase what they're doing, but they're doing it in a very theatrical way or by going out and touring you know, the best of the West Coast in the US or what's happening in, um, in, in, the, in London, in the, in the city or many other places where there's, there's, there's activities go on. They visit an accelerator, they go talk to some digital leader that's got a big reputation in a book that's just come out. And I think that the, the best case is they're doing that because they're learning and they're taking that learning back. They're applying that, they're moving it into con the context that they, they understand and it's going to drive change. Unfortunately, that's not what I see in many cases. What I see is that idea of we're interested in innovation. Look, our leaders have been out to the West Coast. And the answer is, so what? So, so you visited um, the, the, the VC folks like uh, you know, uh, Andreessen Horowitz. And so you visited uh, Google campus. So how do you think that's going to mean something to you in in your UK retail organization or your energy supply organization or your small scale startup, how does that apply? Mm -hmm. And often there's a there's too big a gap and they're doing it to sort of, um, it, it sort of establish their credentials so they can put it on their LinkedIn profile, but I'm not sure if they're doing it because they're trying to drive change in their organization. Obviously I'm being a little cruel, mm -hmm. but, 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 but we do see a lot of that. And, and I think it's really important that if, if you're going to go on these uh, these jaunts, these safaris to, to understand innovation, or you're going to set up labs that showcase technology, that you do more than simply talk about it or, 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 or take the visit, that you actually spend your energy working out how you apply that and how that provides value to not just you and your profile in your organization to get your next job, but how it helps the people around you the organization around you and the products and services that you deliver. And then it can be in, in, you know, very, very effective. Yeah, definitely. And um, next question, I thought I would start with a quote, which is something I never uh, do typically, but I think this one uh, really kind of sums up a really important aspect, I think, of uh, digital transformation. And that uh, comes from a recent uh, Harvard Business Review article, and it reads as follows. A leader's task is not simply to adapt, it is to be adaptive. Digital transformation is not a goal that one achieves, it is the means to achieve one's goals. So I suppose with that in mind, uh, why do you think adaptability, and I think we briefly touched on this in one of the previous questions, is such a, an important attribute for leaders and their teams as they kind of look forward to, you know, uh, expanding their footprint in terms of digital transformation? Yeah, I think that's an interesting quote because when I talk to many organizations, often there's a big emphasis on the digital part of digital transformation and not enough emphasis on the transformation bit. And the transformation bit is not simply we've got a program in place and you know in 23 we're going to we're going to be able to do this or that it's it's a personal transformation it's what's happening to the people and uh, i've had quite a few conversations recently about moving from a, a digital first view to a people first view of digital transformation and that involves the the individuals at, at all levels in the organization leadership management people in the trenches everybody around you um, particularly in some of the support organizations, for example, like HR and contracts management and um, pro uh, product and performance management. Those sorts of roles are really critical in either 
accelerating and supporting the changes that are going on or dampening and blocking those changes because they feel disenfranchised, dehumanized, left out of the loop. So I spend a lot of time looking at the adaptability of people. And as I say, particularly in a lot of the support roles that um, unfortunately are left out or, or left on the edges of the change. And, and often when I go into an organization, I don't know what they expect me to do, maybe, maybe count the number of people who are scrum masters or something. But I end up starting in those support roles saying, tell me about HR, tell me about onboarding, tell me about uh, how you look at um, new skills development, tell me about contracts and how you uh, look at um, bringing on new supplies in your organization. Because if, if you're not able to do those, all your aspirations for changing and moving in a new way and uh, uh, new new kinds of support functions around uh, recruitment and incentive management and performance management. You just can't bring those into place. And without those, the organization starts to fight against itself. And that, that tension is really, really difficult in an organization. Absolutely. And, you know, I suppose one of the things, uh, speaking of tension, one of the things that we mentioned in uh, one of the other uh, questions was around this idea that we don't know what the road ahead looks like exactly but we do know that the old playbook isn't fit for purpose anymore um what would be your advice Alan, to leaders who might be kind of early on in the digital transformation journey say who are just kind of adapting things now and just kind of rolling out things um who are perhaps maybe a bit too loyal to the traditional ways of thinking how do they kind of jolt themselves out of that particular uh, kind of style of thinking well i I think it's not so much about loyalty as much as it's about um, starting to build the questions that you're asking about what you're doing. You know, it, we all get comfortable doing the things that we do um, because they're familiar to us, because we've done them for a long time, because we feel in control. And part of the challenge, I think, in any change, in, in any change management, digital or otherwise, is about accepting the unknown and accepting some of the risks that we're taking. You know, if you, if you go back a few years, do you remember there was this big uh, phase when it was, who moved my cheese? Do you remember that book? Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was this little allegory of, uh, of uh, what happens when the mice stop getting fed cheese. Do you stay and wait and hope more cheese arrives? Or do you, do you set out on a, on a quest to try to find more? And, and that allegory, I think, was, was about change management. And I think it's rather apt in our current situation. As we see these disruptions, do, do, do we feel comfortable step, stepping out of our comfort zone? You know, this idea of getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think questioning yourself and encouraging yourself not to take unmitigated risks. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't believe in jumping off a cliff, mm -hmm. but beginning to think about the questions you need to ask about what you're doing today the contribution you're making, how you understand your market, how you support the people around you, and whether the things that you have in place, the things that you've traditionally done, are the most appropriate to achieve those goals. And if not, how can you begin to learn about new ways of moving forward, looking at others that solve problems differently, uh, looking for um, provocations that might help you to think differently, taking a different perspective on some of the challenges that you see. And I think if you encourage yourself in that way, you'll build support for that idea of being more more comfortable with being uncomfortable if you like exactly and being 
uncomfortable uh, I suppose it's something that we're getting used to at the moment in terms of um, the current I suppose market uh, situation and everything that's going on with the war in Ukraine and everything like that it's causing a huge amount of instability um, and I think you might have written about this in one of your recent uh, dispatch articles on your website and in terms of how the current crisis is acting as a lag on maybe the progress that we expect to make so that we can kind of bring in this golden age um, that everyone's looking forward to but while all the changes that we spoke about um, throughout this interview are sort of, you know, kind of in an ideal scenario or, you know, kind of making, I suppose, moving because that's what has to be done. There's also this kind of overlay that we need to consider of, you know, the current market situations. So how do you kind of get out of the inertia of, uh, you know, staying in the one spot when there are so many uncertainties out there and, uh, you know, they seem to be kind of continuing as well? So the, I, I was commenting in, in a recent uh, one of my write-ups on this the dispatch was was about the the, the brilliant Carlotta Perez uh, her her work is, is is phenomenal talking about what's going on as we change and the, the disruptions both historically over the last couple of centuries but also what it means for us looking forward and what we can expect and she was making that commentary that we seem to be in a, a, a that transition period in the if if you call it the, the the new digital era we seem to have been in that confused transition period for much longer than perhaps we we might have expected and why is that and she pointed to a few things around um, the obvious things around covid the the disruption that that's caused somewhat of an accelerator but also as a as a disruptor and as a as a confusion to, to many people's uh, well-managed plans, but but also uh, to the fact that we're seeing uh, a different view from what's going on in China and a, a lot of investment in the in the labor force in China that, that maybe has meant that oh, oh, some of the traditional ways of working have, have extended longer than we might expect and we've focused on, uh, on cost efficiencies as opposed to moving to new ways of working. Uh, and also the fact that a lot of our leaders are in place for a lot longer. Just look at... Um, the heads of state that are in their 70s or, or 80s. Yeah. And, and that means that new, new people with new ideas are not coming through perhaps as quickly as we might have expected. So she was pointing that out. And, and also, as we look at the digital world, we're still often using, again, 20th century, if you like, more traditional views of productivity, improvements, the way we measure success in a world where maybe those those, those kinds of metrics don't make as much sense in, in the kind of digital world that we're looking at. So we look at productivity, we look at progress, we look at the you know, traditional ROIs, and perhaps they don't apply in a world where we're measuring some different things, where we're seeing and observing different behaviors. And we haven't quite put those measurement systems in place to understand that progress. So, so she was talking a lot about that. And, and some people talk, for example, about innovation accounting, being we measure the learning, we measure our ability to access new ideas. We measure our ability to influence ideas, perhaps as much as we measure the actual sales and, and, and cash flow that we would traditionally look at businesses. So how do we look at that? And, and I think that's part of uh, the challenge we face as we move into this digital world. What do we measure? How do we measure? What kinds of things are going to be important to us? And how do they leverage the future of our, our organizations and the future of our careers as individuals? Yeah, it's going to be a very fascinating few decades to come in terms of how everything will develop. So, uh, Professor Alan Brown, I want to thank you very much for your time today. Much appreciated. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Dave.